into your word as only you can. We commit this in all matters into your loving and caring hands. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to look with me again at Matthew, in Matthew 26, beginning with verse 21. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dips his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then G Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. Now, today we are just several Sundays away from Easter Sunday morning. Easter, of course, is the day that Christians worldwide celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It will be a grand celebration here at the Good Hope Church and, of course, all around the world. But our Easter experience here at the Good Hope Church in the past has been vibrant, full of vibrant praying and preaching and singing and fellowship, beginning with the sunrise service at 6 o'clock in the morning. And it always is a wonderful, exciting time. And after all, it should be because we're celebrating the day that Jesus Christ rose victoriously from the grave with all power in his hands. Therefore, Easter is a time to celebrate. It's a time to commemorate. It's a time to reiterate the fact that we as born-again believers in Jesus Christ have been given a tremendous victory over death, over the grave, and over hell itself. The Apostle Paul cites our victory stating in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 56, when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That's what Easter reminds us of. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But Paul goes on to say, thanks be to God. He has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. And if there's anybody on this earth, anybody in our communities, anybody in our neighborhood that ought to be excited and walking from day to day with our heads up high and our shoulders back with confidence, it ought to be Christian. Because we walk in victory because of what Jesus has already done on Calvary. Easter Sunday morning is the ultimate Victory celebration. It is the one definitive action by which all of our hopes, all of our dreams, and all of our aspirations rest. Everything for us rests 
on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our aspirations rest upon the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet in order that we might understand as well as appreciate the resurrection more deeply, I want us to pay close, some close attention to some of the hardships faced and overcome by Jesus as he made his way to the cross of Calvary and eventually to the resurrection. I, I want us just to, to focus as we move towards crucifixion, the crucifixion and the resurrection, some of the hardships that Jesus faced as he made his way. Last Sunday, we preached the first sermon uh, in, this, in, this, in this series, Journey Towards the Cross, and we talked about how Jesus Christ faced rejection. And we looked at how he was rejected, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he had done what was, what was right. Last week, we looked at rejection and how Jesus overcame it, and how he pressed his way, and how we too must press our way through times of rejection. But today, I want to focus the sermonic spotlight on another thing that Jesus faced, and that was betrayal. And I want to focus on this, this betrayal in order that we might identify its reality, first of all, and second, that we might gain strength as we, as Jesus, seek to overcome it as we move along life's journey. Now, 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 betrayal uh, is... It's, it has so many faces. I just want to share a few with you today. Um, first, betrayal is when someone close to you turns on you. Maybe you shared some of your innermost secrets with them and, and, and expected them to hold those secrets close to their hearts. And, and they cried with you and you cried with them, but 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 only to find your secrets exposed on Facebook or, or to know that your secrets have been released amongst the school where you attend or the job where you work or, or even the church where you attend, that's, that's betrayal. And betrayal can only be done by someone close to us. Enemies can't really betray us. We don't expect anything from them but hurt anyway. But, but those who are close to us are, are only ones that can betray us. Here's another example of betrayal. You stand at the altar with that special someone and you, you promise to love them and they promise to love you in sickness and in health and to love and to cherish them, richer for poor and you lose them because they move on to greener pastures and sometimes you don't even see it coming. That's betrayal. Betrayal is... Uh, investing your your years of your life in a company or, or in a business or working for someone and you you give the best of your service you you go to work on time and you do what you're supposed to do and you have opportunities to cheat the company but you don't cheat the company and and you're a good good worker only to walk in and be told that you're being let go 
and the reasons are frivolous, are fake, they are phony. The reason really is, is because without you, there is a greater profit margin for the company. That's, that's betrayal. And, and all of us have to deal with it in one way or another. Notice the words of the text for today in Matthew 25, verses 20 through 25. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Now that's a deep statement because what he's saying is that one of you who has been with me, one of you who have heard, have heard me preaching and teaching, one of you who, who, who has been with me on this journey will betray me, will, bet, will turn on me. And so they were very sad at what he said, and they began to say to one, after, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Now notice in verse 14, Judas went to the chief priest, and in verse 15, he asked the chief priest, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? What's in it for me? If I turn my back on this faithful friend, what is what's in it for me? If I let you have him, if I let you get at him, what's in it for me? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. And in verse 16, Judas began watching for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Now here in verse 25, he tries to play Jesus with the ridiculous verbiage saying, surely not I. Rabbi, to which Jesus simply responds, Judas, yes, it is you. Now, here's a footnote. While betrayal happens on the journey, they need not hinder the journey. I want us to get that today. While betrayal happens on the journey, it need not hinder the journey. And listen, if you have not been betrayed, just keep living. Keep doing what's right. Keep standing for God. And eventually it will come. But when betrayal comes, Jesus reminds us in the text to take heart. Because betrayals will come, but they need not hinder the journey. Jesus, as it were, was betrayed by Judas on the journey. But while the betrayal of Judas happened to Jesus on the journey, it did not stop his progress. Are you with me? That's, that's the intention of the text. That's what the Lord is showing us. While Judas betrayed Jesus. It did not stop the process, the progress. You see, Judas pretended to be a friend. Have you ever had anybody like that around you that pretended to be a friend? Judas pretended to be a friend, but in actuality, he was a fraud. 
He presented himself as a companion, but really he was a con artist. He desired to be perceived by Jesus as a helper, but truth be told, he was a hater. He was really a wolf in sheep clothing. He desired to be perceived as a helper, but really he was a hater. So it was, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Imagine, if you will, here is a man who had been with Jesus for three years. He heard Jesus preach. He heard him teach. He heard him give counsel, and he watched him as he healed the sick and even raised Lazarus from the dead. He stood by and gave and, 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 and watched Jesus perform all of these things. He watched him heal the blind man, unstop the deaf ears of a man who couldn't hear. He watched Jesus cause the lame man to walk. He saw him feed the hungry, cast out demons, yet he traded ministering with the master for 30 pieces of silver. Are you with me? Traded all of that ministry with the master for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus, all that we've been through, all that God has taken us through. All of the ups and the downs, all of the mountains and the valleys, all of the tears. I traded in for 30 lousy pieces of silver. I ask us today, how much is our relationship to Jesus worth? Because there are always situations and circumstances vying to buy us away from Jesus. We need to settle that in our minds. We need to just come to the point of asking, how much is our relationship to Jesus Christ worth? How much is it worth? To Jesus, it was worth only 30 pieces of silver. Now he comes to the table, the last supper with Jesus and acting as though he does not have a clue as to what Jesus means when he says to his disciples, one of you will betray me. He was full of falsehood, fakery, and phoniness. Jesus, but before I go further, let me talk about what Jesus did. I want to talk about what Jesus did with, with, that, with that betrayer. But before I talk about what Jesus did, I want to take a little time and deal with what Jesus didn't do. Because, because what Jesus didn't do is just as important as what Jesus did. First, notice Jesus didn't retaliate against Judas by verbal or physical abuse. The natural response is to give people a good tongue lashing when we find out that they have betrayed us. Am I right about it? The natural reaction is to give them a good down-home tongue lashing. The natural response is, Maybe even to get physical. Maybe even a slap. I'll slap some sense into you. 
I'll teach you to betray me. I'll teach you to turn your back on me. I'll teach you to put me down after all I've done for you. The natural response is is to get physical, a slap, a punch, or even a kick or two. That's the natural reaction. But Jesus did not retaliate. Are you with me? Second, Jesus did not seek to turn the other disciples against Judah. We all know how that game is played. We, we played that game in elementary school. As, as children, we all have played that, that game. I don't like Susie. Susie is no longer my friend. Susie has betrayed me. So because I don't like Susie, I don't want you to like Susie either. I thought Leon was my friend. Leon and I hung out together. Leon and I played ball together. Leon and I spent time eating at each other's table, but Leon did me wrong. I don't like Leon anymore. Therefore, you shouldn't like Leon either. And then clandestine meetings are called, sometimes in privacy. And Susie and Leon are discussed. And their betrayals are, betrayals are discussed in order to turn everyone else against Susie and Leon, but not Jesus. Third, Jesus did not deny Judas access to the table. Isn't that remarkable? He didn't not uh, uh, deny Judas access to the table. Fourth, Jesus did not dwell on the hurt. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus was, was fully human. He was fully divine. Jesus hurt like you and I hurt. Betrayal hurt Jesus just like betrayal hurts you and it hurts me. He did not linger in the hurt. Fifth, Jesus did not throw in the towel. He did not quit on the journey. He refused to abandon the mission even though he was betrayed. Even though it hurt, he refused to give up, give out, and give in. That's a great lesson for us. Even in the church sometimes when we're hurt. I don't know how many people I've heard saying, I'll never go, I'll never go back to church again. Because somebody hurt me. Somebody did something I didn't like. I was betrayed. I trusted people and they turned their, their backs on me. Jesus never quit. Now I want to notice what he did. First in verse 26, Jesus prayed. Am I right about it? Jesus went to God in prayer, and and, and Scripture records some of what Jesus prayed, but I am convinced Jesus said a whole lot of things to God. First he prayed, and then he gave Judas a bite of bread. Help me somebody. I mean, in in that remarkable, he prayed. And, and broke, blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. He prayed, take, eat, this is my bite. Prayed, and then Jesus gave Judas a bite. 
How many of us today are willing to pray and then give our betrayals a bite? All right. That, that's what Jesus did. Second in verse 28, Jesus gave Judas a drink. Third, I love this. Jesus washed the feet of Judas, even though he knew Judas was betraying him. This is radical teaching. This is radical Christianity. This is, this is uh, cutting against, going against the grain. This is, this is countercultural theology. One of my favorite authors, C. Gene Wilkes, wrote a book. And some of you heard me say this before, entitled Jesus on, on Leadership. And he talks about how G- Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Now, now get this. Jesus knew that, 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 that Peter was going to deny him. And so when he got to Peter, he didn't say, Peter, I'm going to skip you because I know you're going to deny me. No, he washed Peter's feet. He knew James and John were power brokers, and yet he washed their, their feet. He knew Thomas was going to doubt him, and yet he washed Thomas's feet. We can, all, we can understand all of that, but Judas. Judas would betray him for 30 pieces of silver, and Wilkes said one of the truest signs of servant leadership, that is, of being a Christian, is to wash the feet of those whom you know you, you, you're not thinking whom you know will betray you. And I go a little bit further after having been, you know, pastoring and preaching almost 38 years. I go a little bit further. One of the truest tests of, of servant leadership is not only to wash the feet of those who, are be, who have betrayed you and who are betraying you, but, but those who will betray you. And fourth, in verses 28 and 29, he preached a sermon. And fifth, in verse 30, he sang a hymn. And sixth, in verse 30, after singing a hymn, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Mount of Olives. And going out to the Mount of Olives is a symbolic gesture that, that says, this is what Jesus says symbolically. Gentlemen, let's keep moving with the mission. Betrayal is taken place uh, but let's keep moving with the mission now while on the road to victory jesus was not hindered hampered or halted by his betrayal jesus stayed focused on his mission faithful to his ministry and firm in his messiahship he still had to go to gethsemane he still had to stand before the sanhedrin he had yet to deal with Peter's deniers and Pilate's desertion. Ahead of him was still the cold, cruel, callous confrontation with crucifixion. All before Easter Sunday morning, before he could get up out of the grave with all power in his hands, he had to go through some stuff. So it is. Jesus would have us to remember this day. That while betrayal, hurt, pain, disappointment, rejection, dejection, aggravation, humiliation, and isolation happens on the journey, Jesus wants us to be reminded that he overcame it all 
and has given every one of us who trust in him the power to do the same thing. We are not defeated. We have power to overcome just as Jesus did. He would have us to know that we ought to raise our heads, that we ought to march on up the king's highway, doing all that he has called us to do, realizing that, lo, I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. What we need to do is make sure our hopes and our dreams and our confidence is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ alone because all other ground is sinking sand. If your hopes and dreams are in people, rooted and grounded in people, is sinking sand. If your hopes and dreams is rooted and uh, rooted and grounded in, in professions and in jobs and in degrees, although all of that has its place, is sinking sand. Jesus will remind us to remain rooted and grounded in him, in him alone. Stuart Townsend and Keith Getty wrote a popular song entitled, In Christ Alone. And the words of the song are as follows. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. No guilt in life, no fear in death. Are you listening to me? No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. Get this, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no schemes of man can ever pluck me from his hands till he returns. Or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I stand. That's the lesson from the text. That's the message from the betrayer. That's what Jesus would want us to have as we journey this road to Calvary and eventually to victory on resurrection Sunday here in the power of Christ. I stand. Father, we thank you today for the power.